everybody. Dave Lindbergh in Hong Kong with a, uh, a different kind of episode of THD podcast. Today, we're going to be talking with uh, Philip Richardson of True Analog, a, a speaker and audio systems factory near Guangzhou. And we're going to get an update on the kind of boots on the ground perspective on what's going on in China in terms of the the, the barriers at the border and, and these kind of issues. So we're going to get a full update on that. But without delay, let's give a thanks to our sponsor, the Alti Association. So we encourage everybody to join Alti and get into that good audio networking stuff. So without delay, let's say hello, Richard. Good morning. How are you today? Hello, Dave. Uh, thanks for having me on. It's good to see you. Uh, even though it's e-meeting, although you're only uh, an hour away, it seems like a world away. <laughs> yeah. But that'll be soon enough. Yeah, so for people perspective, uh, where I am in Hong Kong to where Richard or Philip, sorry, I'm mixing up your last and, and first name, uh, where Philip is in Guangzhou is roughly about two hours between the bus and the train and the and the taxi. So uh, it's, that's right. But it's it's not that far geographically, but uh, with the current situation is what we're going to talk about today. Um, it's 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 been a bit of a challenge. So. I've got a list of questions. So if it's uh, all right with you, Philip, did, would you like to kind of, let's start with a brief introduction on uh, True Analog, and then we'll get into my questions. Uh, my name is Philip Richardson. I'm an American, uh, I've been here for 22 years. And the name of my factory is True Analog Strictly OEM. We specialize in the design, engineering, and manufacturing of premium drivers and systems. And we're located in Panyu, southern China, and the ferry terminal, uh, it's a one-stop ferry terminal from Kowloon to Lianhuanshan, when under normal conditions. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, so hopefully those ferries don't go out of business before we get back to normalcy here. Um, it, it is kind of a for people, if they're visiting, the taking the ferry into Guangzhou is is a, a lot more fun than navigating uh, the bus to Lohu and then the train to Guangzhou East, etc. Right. So if I could, uh, Philip, how about I just, I've got a list of questions to go through with you that I think will give the viewers a good overview on what's been going on and what the status is with China. So let's start with question number one. So uh, since it is difficult to get in and out of China, um, from your perspective, what do you suggest that, that brands do to expedite their, their product development process? Um, okay, that's a good one, Dave. I'm a firm believer in understanding that the constraints, understanding the cost and physical straits up front. So the manufacturer has got to get a hold of the, of the, uh, of the cost constraints and the physical constraints up front, the the product and the from the conception shade, from the conception um, should be as much as false possible fully understood between the supplier and the manufacturer and beat up the design in the development stage, working with the cabinet, the steel, the cone, whatever the component manufacturer is, just so that both parties understand and have a full grasp on what the constraints are up front before uh, going any deeper. And that's why uh, design, design, mailer, design failure 
mold effect analysis is very important in the uh, in the conception stage, design stage of the uh, of the product, and video, much like what you and I are doing right now, is critical. It's tantamount. It's it's a pivot point in the speed and the process of new product development. Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah, that's um, that's good stuff. And yeah, like I always love the acronyms, and I think it's F E M A is something that you'll hear production engineers refer to the failure mode effect analysis. And um, there's there's a few others, few other systems. There's the Phillips method, which was one that was developed years ago to to analyze these things. So that's uh, always good, uh, I think, to define the definitions. Like, what are we calling things? Like, just the other day, I was in a meeting with a German headphone company, and the German headphone company was calling the damping material uh, uh, was it was a weave or some other word, whereas the the Taiwanese driver supplier was calling it a mesh. So, uh, making sure everybody's aligned on those definitions is kind of a good habit. It's it's a little bit uh, might seem painful. But the clarity, I think, is the general point that you're getting. And you're right, because uh, the Germans are very, uh, are very organized, very astute. And so when they say a weave, it's in the most literal point. point. It is, in fact, a weave. But um, Asians will call that a mesh. And it is not necessarily a mesh. It's something that's been uh, pulled apart. And so understanding that and by having a video up front, it'll just reduce the time immediately. Sure. Okay. And then talking about getting things right. So what's, uh, what's your opinion on hiring like third-party inspection teams? What's uh, some experience you have? Well, um, maybe it's, uh, maybe it's something that I'm about to say something that, SGS, TUV, and other inspection companies may not want to hear. And I can only speak about the loudspeaker industry because that's what I know. Third-party QC teams, in my personal opinion, only mine, for the large part, are a galactic waste of time, money, and effort. <laughs> the brand name owner pays to get a warm and fuzzy thinking that he's going to get a QC team there to inspect is good, but here's what really happens. Their money pays for the, the transportation time from the time the QC guy leaves his home or her home and gets to the factory. So they leave, they leave the factory opens at 8 a.m. The QC guy leaves his home at 8 a.m. because it's a normal workday for him. The, the third-party QC guy gets to the factory at, say, 9.30 or 10 o'clock. The owner is paying for that, the, whoever's hiring them. The factory has already wasted an hour and a half, two hours, waiting on the QC team to arrive. And so they just sideline the production, waiting for the QC uh, guy to come. By the time the QC guy comes, um, he has to become, he or she has to become familiar with the product. Mm -hmm. And after they become familiar with the product and on and on, they begin inspection at one o'clock. So the first half of the morning is burnt. And so the solution is 
the solution is if you if the brand name owner wants to hire um, a third party inspection team, here's what they should do. They should become familiar with the part with the product um, in three visits. The first visit should be during pre-production. So then they can become familiar with it and understand it and all of that. Attend pre-production and then attend Mass Pro. Um, I have witnessed QST teams not understanding what they're supposed to inspect when they come here and we're and we're shipping it that day. And you know, they're they want to open a box to inspect. And I asked them, what are you inspecting? Oh, we want to, we want to see what it looks like and make sure it works. And I asked, and I asked the QC team, have you ever seen this product before? They said, no, first time. So right. how do you know it knows it works? Right. And so then we have a rush, we have a hasty phone call because we're loading the container with the brand name owner. And, the, and then we go through it while we're loading the container. Everything is fine because we don't need inspection teams. I already have a, I have a very good grasp of what is needed, but this one new customer was accustomed to having a QC team. No, no, no longer come. So you wanna use a QC team to mitigate, circumvent, avoid you having a wasted container of product coming to your factory, coming to your doorstep, wherever in the world you might be. But it's important that the third-party QC teams understands fully what they're inspecting before Mass Pro. They have to get involved during the development stage or when the product is final and you're about to go Mass Pro, send them down to the factory to learn about the product. Yeah, I think I think that translates to a lot of aspects of the supply chain. Like another example might be in purchasing where somebody's looking at the bill of materials on a driver and they just go, we need to shave 10% off this. Well, perhaps neodymium, there's no 10% to shave off. So they'll just be <laughs> punishing themselves. In the, a little bit of intelligence in, in quality control, inspection and purchasing is I think the general theme of just don't send somebody that makes shoes to inspect a speaker factory. It's like the classic, don't go to an Italian restaurant and order a, order a burger. <laughs> so That's right. All right. Yeah, so, you're right. You're right. So uh, another question is, so what do you do to protect your customers' IP, intellectual property uh, in China? All of our customers are premium name brands. And they have product or applications that are unique to them. And that's why they're able to charge more. And um, the practice that we take um, to protect our customers' intellectual property is the burden is really on me. So when the customer gives me, awards us a project um, it's my job to protect the customer. And so that begins at the quotation stage. Never, ever give the final product design to a supplier. They, when the, the supplier wants to, asks, oh, I need to see how it fits. No, they don't need to see how it fits. 
they need to understand how to understand how to manufacture that part to those dimensions to that specification to that weight what it looks like how it fits is not important um because they are making that single given component so minimize what the supplier sees at the dna level that means that they are, the last person that the supplier sh should visit the last person that should see your product is the carton guys the packaging guys that's the last person and incidentally that's the easiest person um the least critical component everything's important but you can wait until last right so that pictures of your images don't get out mm -hmm. you can wait after the last two weeks you can use them to get your quotation finalized when making it generating a bill of materials right but that's it no one should see the final product until it's being manufactured or the carton guys so so to relay that to your business you might have a, a driver design and you're sending it to somebody to stamp your metal baskets for you all they get to see is that metal basket they don't need to see the voice coil or anything else that goes into that basket they just get that component and then for you perhaps you're selling that driver on into another system facility or overseas and all you see is what the driver looks like and it goes into the carton box and then off off to the to the you know final that's center. a that's a good example um uh, you're you're on the money dave as an example um as an example because you're familiar with manufacturing cones um if when the customer asks us to please make the cone neck please make the neck of the cone that's through the 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 bobbin to the cone junction please make that neck not greater than two millimeters high and please make that tangent as tight as possible um and we and the cone neck asks the cone supplier asks us why do you need to have such a short cone neck and why do we need to have such a such a gradual uh tangent why does it have to be a a 45 degree slope instead of a 60 degree slope and we don't want to tell the uh cone supplier because this kind of a tweeter goes in the middle right mm -hmm. that's none of their business right. so we have to really control what the supplier sees at the dna level at the component level that's where all of the uh the the mystery the secret sauce gets lost and then published because now their friends that own speaker factories say uh xyz is working on this here's what they're coming out with it's really interesting or an innocent way is xyz is coming out this does it make sense out of their own salesman curiosity and loose lips sink a ship number right. one number two is um be your purchasing person the brand name owner's purchasing person doesn't have to be an engineer but don't give it to a newbie because the more people that see 
your drawing, the more people that see the brand name owner's drawing and you don't award that business, that's one more supplier, two more suppliers, they have your drawing. And so you have to pick who's going to see your drawing to mitigate, to minimize exposure of your um, best kept secret. Yeah, it's compartmentalizing things. Uh, and and when you get into uh, larger productions, like uh, things like mobile phones or tablets, you can really see, um, like I, I worked on the Amazon Fire Phone and I did not see the product. The, the material that I did, I had no idea what the device looked like till it hit the stores. We, we just got certain dummy things to run tests on our materials on and then it's out the door um, uh, from us. So it was very isolated. So further to that discussion on intellectual property, uh, what's your recommendation for, for, for filing patents in China? What's the procedure? Okay. Um, going back to your point on IP, I know what you say to be true because you and I were working on a project a few years ago and I asked you, what does the final product look like? And you said, I don't know because yes. <laughs> you said, I don't know. And, and maybe it's true. You don't know. And, um, and I wanted to understand the application a little bit more. And it doesn't matter. It just proves out what you just said is true. And mm -hmm. so thank you. Yes, you're playing uh, honestly. The uh, Regarding your patents, regarding a patent, I own um, three patents in China. Uh, and uh, it's under my name and my company's name. And and um, the single most important rule when filing for a patent is a recognition of the fact that first to file. That's it. The protocol follows, as I say, first to file. Forget about what these lawyers tell you. In the, that's, none of that is applies. Yeah. You're in China. It's a different world. China doesn't recognize any any patents outside of the world, outside of China. They recognize what is filed within China. Okay. So the protocol is like this. I will give you the protocol. I will save you a lot of money by giving you the protocol right now. So, uh, but in turn, you can give me some business. <laughs> uh, number one, Chinese translation of the entire patent application, including description and claim. You need that. If you don't have that, you're out. Number two, a power of attorney signed by the patent owner authorizing a Chinese patent attorney to apply for your patent. Number three, the name and the application of the owner of the patent in Chinese characters. Do those three things and you're off to the races. Skip one, you're out, don't cry. Those and, are the rules. And were there, are, there, are there agents or lawyers in US or Hong Kong outside that people could approach? Um, yeah, sure, there's outside agents and, and they're gonna rape you on pricing. Excuse <laughs> me, they're gonna over, they're gonna, <laughs> they're, 
They're just going to go to a local patent lawyer in China anyway. Right. Whether you're in Hong Kong, Philippines, Macau, it doesn't matter. They're going to go to a Chinese patent lawyer because only a Chinese patent lawyer can apply for your patent. So go direct and apply for a patent through a Chinese patent lawyer here in China. Okay, kind of switching gears here in terms of operations and and uh, what can be done as, as losing employees, especially every year during Chinese New Year. Um, but it is uh, it is an employee's, you know, a seller's market for employees in China these days. What, what can you do to keep employees in, in, in the factories from leaving? Um. Uh, number one, if we look at the bad things that happen, the incorrect things that happen, it's important to understand what factories are doing wrong before you can do what is right. What is wrong is when you're receiving your POs for Christmas rush, which is going to happen next month. Christmas sales are going to be happening next month. And so when the customer issues a PO and say, we need this for Christmas sale, the factories that go out are going to go send their send your drawings that we talked about earlier to get an RFQ, put together the pricing, and get the PO um, by end of this month. So September, October, the parts come in. All of a sudden, they have this spike in a need for laborers. And so what they do is they, the factories go out and they hire laborers. Well, guess what? All the migrant laborers that are, that are planning to go home for uh, Chinese New Year are very hungry for a job. And so the factories, they know that up front. And, and they still hire these migrant workers to, to fill the gap, to fill the, to fill the explosion of, of POs instead of planning. So what we do, and then, and then after, Chinese, and after Chinese New Year, they all leave. They said, where did everyone go? It's like the Red Sea, everyone left. Right. Nah. The way you do it. We have about... 97, 98% retention of executive staff, operations, engineering, finance, and about 93, 94% retention of laborers. It's easy for, it's not a axiological solution. It's a very reality, reality solution is that you have to pay the laborers the market value and a little bit more. Pay the market value. So in Guangdong, the minimum wage is 1380, if I'm not mistaken. I don't, that's why Aviva. It's 1380 RMB per month. That's the minimum wage that the government um, forces you, or not forces, requires you to pay the minimum the, to the worker. Eva. And so the um, and so, Chingolai, um, what is, hi everyone, 
see, let me see here. This is Eva. Eva, what's the minimum wage that we have to pay workers? What does the government require for minimum wage? In Guangzhou is 2,300 RMB. How much? 2,300 RMB. 2,300, 2, okay. All right, thank you very much. Thank you. So it's 2,300 um, RMB per month is what the government requires as a minimum level. Now, I just gave you an unrehearsed, I swear to God, an unrehearsed reality of how much things cost here. I just gave you a transparent answer to your question. Do, do the customers that are asking these kind of questions have that level of transparency with the factory? The answer is yes or no. If you don't, pick another factory. Mm. You need to have that level and of transparency and quick. Number one, pay them. So I know that we pay our workers about 12% uh, higher than the minimum level that the, that the government hires because I don't have time. I don't want to have the worry of my workers. Oh, these guys are paying 50 Rammies more, 10 bucks more a month. So yeah. no, just pay them a little more. All right. And uh, so moving on, um, so there's uh, engineering consultants, uh, you know, design shops, whatever you want to call these guys. Uh, what's your what's your take on this kind of technical support uh, networks? Um, honestly, this is a this touches base with a QC, with an outside QC, third party QC team. Mm -hmm. The third party outside QC team should know the upper limits and lower limits of the required frequency response of the driver or the system. They have to understand that upfront. Um, so they ask intelligent questions when they are here. Um, the engineering um, consultant Although the engineering consultant has many decades of experience, um, an engineering consultant is a necessary um, consultant to help the customer um, achieve the final product that they need. But the engineer consultant, because they have decades of experience, they also have, well, at XYZ, we used to do it like this. Right. Or when right. I was at this company, we used to do it like this or, or whatever. So they're also bringing bad habits. Well, guess what? That engineer consultant is now in my factory, and this is the way we do it, and this is the way we uh, measure and quantify and correlate and gather information and they have the engineering consultants have to come with an open mind on how to test measure quantify identify and improve the process with the conditions that are available to them not only in my factory but any factory mm -hmm. they can't say well you don't have this kind of equipment no yeah. they have to work with what they have because the business has been awarded. Now, if now with engineering company, 
if they have a back channel to the customer saying, oh, this guy isn't qualified because they don't have this piece of equipment. I think that's just utter wrong. I think that's wrong. They yeah. should work with what they is available to them. That's yeah. how I feel about it. It's like it's like you can get places on a bicycle, a car, or a train. There's many ways to get there. And the engineers that understand first principles are able to pull themselves out of, oh, there's no audio precision gear here. It won't work, or something like this kind of thing. And that's that doesn't mean you can't build the product and you can't build it with with very good quality. Uh, so that's kind of you're right. It's a stick in the mud kind of thing. They get too long in the tooth and they're inflexible. Um so, and then moving on this kind of third-party theme that we got going here, uh, what's your take on on trading companies? Okay, <laughs> I think that David, Dave, Mr. Limberg, you've known me for a few years now. Mm -hmm. The way I speak to you is the way I speak to you in person, and. I just can't help myself. There's no filter. I just talk straight. Trading companies had a very important role in um, the development of drivers or development of speaker systems 20, 30 years ago when China was opening up because they understood the culture, they understood the application, and on and on and on. Now, um, there is nothing, there is very little that a Chinese engineer, a Chinese uh, supplier cannot do that, um, that, or cannot understand that a trading company understands. A trading company is important for sensitive for sensitive uh, products like if they need a special diaphragm for for a men's speaker or if they need a special coding for a special application or if they need something that is unique that is not mainstream that is not off the shelf then then um, people like you Dave are tantamount critical to the supply chain development of the process no question but for uh, but for more mainstream stuff like buying a speaker frame, I don't think that a trading company is needed because it's all about dimensions, material, and cost. But if it's a special product like a, a special diaphragm or whatever, then that's that's a technology that only people like you or the trading company, if they're a viable trading company like yourself, understand and know where to go to get that. So it's, uh, yeah, it depends on what it is. Yeah, I think that's a kind of an economics fundamental. If go translating first principles from engineering, but first principles of business is avoid commodities. So basically what you said over the last 30 years, commodity items like, like a, a speaker basket and stuff, anybody can do that. And there's no reason for a specialty firm to be involved in trading and items that are literally, you know, like there's, there's no margin in there to, to, to be had. 
So I kind of have a theme that I apply to what you just said, and I guess avoid commodity items like the plague, because there's no reason to have a foreigner over here promoting a commodity technology. So that's uh, I agree with you 100% on that one. Um, so another question here is so uh, kind of switching gears again. So when a when a brand owner uh, makes their deposit for an order, whether it be for drivers or systems or some other sub-assembly, who knows what it might be, packaging maybe. Um, where are they making their deposits um, and how do they how do they secure themselves, I guess, in the transaction is, is perhaps another way to say it. When a brand name owner sends 10,000, 50,000, dollars into this, is going to China for a deposit. That's like, where's my money? And yeah. so they, they sometimes in the middle of the night, they're going to pull a Scooby-Doo. They're going to say, hmm. yeah. and so that's why it's important, critical that the brand name owner has direct access to the factory or direct access to someone who has a perfect command of the English language and either owns a factory like myself or is responsible like yourself and has a direct link to the factories that can account for your money is here and why. I can prove your money is here. Here is the, you sent me a $100,000 deposit. Where'd it go? Well, um, we put uh, $30,000 uh, $33,000 on this to the steel factory. Here's a copy of the invoice. Here's a copy of the wire transfer. Here's a receipt of the purchase order. We put X amount here. We put, we have to have a proof of transaction because that's a lot of money. You know, whether it's 1,000, 100,000, it's a lot of money. It's your money and you need to know where it is and by having a direct link to the factory, and that goes back to the trading company or that goes back to the engineering consultant. It's like, can the engineering consultant tell you where your money is? No, but the factory can, the factory owner. And that's why visibility and communication with someone on the ground, boots on the ground, as you say, and I fully agree, is tantamount to having that comfort level. So um, it's all about communication at comfort level. And never, ever give your money to a new factory unless you have someone that's supporting a new factory. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, agreed. I think it's been challenging for the small to medium-sized enterprises during COVID because their inability to get in to meet potential new suppliers um, and or hire uh, trustworthy local people or local agents, whatever it might be, it's been difficult for those guys. The big guys, they always hire the best guys out of Beijing or Shanghai University and super quality, super talented people. It's easy for Apple. It's not easy for a medium-sized speaker company uh, to execute during certain times and secure the transaction with that relationship. Relationship is very important. Um, but so because of that, David, you just said something. Relationships are very important, but but it's important not to be 
complacent in your relationships. Just because you have a relationship for 20 years, 30 years with a given person, when was the last time you fact-checked that quotation? When was the last time that you, you, you looked deep? It's people follow people, people don't follow factories. So there's relationships, but nowadays, um, it's it's a match, it's a mature, it's a mature industry. And um, it's important that you as a business owner know that you are getting um, you are connecting with the right person. That's important to maintain that all the time. Just fact check once in a while. Yeah, keep them on their toes a little bit. Um, a little bit. So just uh, maybe a final question. Um, is so what uh what's this this the situation with um the china us relationships is uh, is the average person on the ground do they have a bad view or is this just the saber rattling by the news media what what's what's this what's the scoop <laughs> the real deal is i only know the loudspeaker industry and um the real deal is um, sales are down, no question. Um, we're down 30, 35% same time last year compared to same time last year. And that means that my suppliers are down 30, 35% from me. And that means that most other people are down as well. And so factories are hungry, factories, are hungry. Even neodymium went down. The the centering, the powder, it went down a couple percent, but not much, right. because there's a high demand in the manufacturing of magnetic levitation trains and the building of the infrastructure in China. So there's a huge demand for magnets. Yeah. But the actual centering went down, which translates to um, zero cost down to the speaker industry. But uh, the uh, uh, Company factories are hungry. My cabinet guys that once said, I need a 500 pair at a time are saying, okay, you know, 300, 250 pair of cabinets at a time, but only one color, <laughs> you know, so because uh, they don't have the labor to support huge numbers right now. Right now is a buyer's market. Um, right now is the lowest prices to buy speaker systems that you're ever going to get um, this year. The prices will start creeping up again around October, November, when the crunch time is on, when the Western buyers realize that, oh, Christmas is here. I need to place my order, even though no um so right now the average the average local person um they don't care we just like we have red just like we have nationalistic americans you have nationalistic locals here but they don't account for the business they're just nationalistic. What is more important and what people at my level, because I'm a poor factory owner, 
is uh, we care about business. So we we forget about the saber rattling and all of that stuff. That's way over my pay grade. Right. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a theme no matter where you are in the world is, is people are generally the same. This idea that you want to stereotype people that they're like, I think the stereotype should be that more or less globally, people are all the same. Once you sit down and have a meal or or have a drink with them, it's you just kind of realize that you all have the same common interest to, hey, let's just get through the day, take care of our family and get on with life. So um, except for some people, they like ale and I don't like ale beer. OK, table <laughs> <laughs> that and anybody watching be. Be sure, like, uh, I don't think it's going to happen this year, but the loudspeaker sourcing show should be back in 2023. And uh, and there, there, there's usually a lot of whiskey around that. It's a good show. Excellent show. I highly recommend it for people. So, uh, Philip, thank you so much for today. I really appreciate it. Um, thank we'll you for put, your time, we'll David. Put your My contact pleasure. information in the description below. And people, feel free to shoot your questions down there as well. We'll make sure... Um, that we get them answered for you so like subscribe share and uh, once again philip thank you so much for your time thank you dave appreciate your time and efforts thanks for having me bye everybody